to the Andrea K show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. I am thrilled, tickled. Beyond excited to be here tonight because this is the first Andrea K. show since Donald J. Trump won the election. I could not even be happier, except that, I, well, I, I could be just a little bit happier because, see, I kind of overdid it in the gym last night. And now I'm like so sore from working my shoulders that literally it hurts to use a mouse, okay, with my computer. But other than that, I couldn't be happier to be here with you tonight. And, of course, sharing all this time with you all out there and social media, my friends, my family, my support system, my boobies, my goombas, my peeps. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. I'm on Facebook, of course. I'm on Instagram. I love seeing everybody's pics over on Instagram, so come have some fun with me there. And having fun with me in the studio tonight is none other than Paulie. I'm very excited to be here today after what happened last about this time yesterday, last week. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, It's it's been a crazy week. And of course, well, you know what, Polly, before I go on, though, I got to put this out there to the listeners because we got to come. Y'all got to come up. Not me. Y'all got to come up with a nickname for Polly. okay? because we got DJ Carrot Sticks for Todd. Y'all picked Dijon for my man Dylan. So y'all got to come up with something for Polly. We call him Polly uh, here at the station, but I'm, I would love for the Andrea Keisha listeners to come up with a little nickname uh, for Polly. Polly is not only an amazing engineer and board op and, and producer here at uh, AM 1170 as well as K-Praise, um, but he's also, y'all, y'all have heard him before many times ta- given the football update, the NFL update. I had to back off of that because, you know, I'm in protest mode with the NFL Kind of, except I might have cheated a little bit <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, you have to a little but, bit. I'm more yeah. of a college guy anyway, so that's where I get my football fix. Yeah, well, you know what? You can't go cold turkey. Anybody who's ever tried to quit smoking cigarettes understands. I mean, I got to watch a down or two or a hundred. You know, I hadn't watched too much. But anyway, um, so help me come up with a nickname for Polly. Yeah, I've never had a nickname before. I would love one. Yeah, well, we'll think of one that we can give you. Um Actually, as I, as we were getting set up to do the show tonight, Polly was saying, did you watch that interview with Leslie Stahl in 60 Minutes? She couldn't have been worse. I'm like, you mean besides the bad wig she had on? I'm like, what? How did she do bad? And Polly, what did you say, Polly? She interrupted him constantly. She would ask him questions, which I thought were questions trying to bait him into saying something controversial or, or that would get right. him in trouble. Well, one, he knocked out of the park. He was absolutely fantastic. He sounded very presidential, mm-hmm. and he didn't take the bait. He stayed on message, and he was very respectful. He was very presidential, and you could tell by the end, Leslie Stahl was getting very frustrated with him because he, he she couldn't lead him down the path that she wanted to lead him down. Exactly. In fact, her expectations as she went into that interview was that she was going to do she was going to do um, kind of what was done to Sarah Palin by Katie Couric. She thought she was going to come up with a, what magazines do you read? You know, gotcha question. Uh, not unlike also Charlie Gibson with his glasses down his nose. You know what, what game the media plays. That was their expectations. They thought, you know, he's only two days in. Let's start undermining him. Let's start laying landmines for him that are going to cause his, his camp, 
not his campaign anymore, but his future administration to completely blow up in his face. I thought he did a masterful job, but it got me thinking about expectations because since that interview, people have been from all over the spectrum have been hysterical over Donald Trump. We've got these protesters out there supposedly protesting the supposed organic protest, which are really, as you know, the some of them are organic. Some of these people are literally these little snowflakes out there literally wearing safety pins because they're so fear-based, which is absolutely ridiculous. They're just following what they've been expected to do by the media, the Leslie Stalls and all the rest of the corrupt media. But most of them were paid protesters. We've seen the ads that have popped up from Craigslist. But it got to me thinking about expectations because the reactions to his win all has to do with expectations. The hysteria, the shock on the part of the media all had to do with expectations because going into this election, the expectation from pretty much everybody, but especially the Democrat Party, the pollsters, the media, the little protesters that are out there, whether paid or organic, and the never Trumper crowd, all shocked because they expected him and wanted him to fail. And that includes the never Trump crowd. So, man, their expert expectations of the election didn't come to fruition. So now we got to get into the expectations of him as a president, which, of course, for the same crowd, the Democrats, the never Trumpers, the protesters, the media, the pollsters, the world, all these other, you know, uh, liberals, the Angela Merkel's out there uh, across the world, all those who wanted him to fail at the election and didn't see it coming and had the expectation that he would fail and that he wouldn't win, now had the expectation and the desire that he fail as a president. And immediately the undermining of him began. Um, there has been and on the the left, the undermining began because President Obama has already gone into the mode of trying to protect his legacy, gone into the mode, whether it was his speech that he gave afterwards, which was supposedly calling for unity. But it's the same people. They come out and call for unity while they're, you know, got their organizers and their operatives funding these protests. But it's a real push. For uh, on the part of the left, including the media that we know is in partnership with them to undermine him by saying like Trump, like Obama did at his presser yesterday. Oh, there's no way that Trump can get his agenda passed. There's just no way he can make it happen. Well, really, Obama, then why don't you tell the protesters to go home? Why? Why did Hillary even bother to campaign against him if Trump can in no way get any of his agenda items passed, which, oh, by the way, are the agenda items of the American people, the majority of or many of which I don't really know the exact percentage, many of which actually voted for you two times. So why are you saying that his his agenda can't be passed? Obviously, it can be passed or you wouldn't have bothered to campaign against him and people wouldn't supposedly be legitimately fearful in the streets. But what really concerns me about the expectation game and the undermining uh, is coming from the Republican Party and in particular, the never Trumpers. The never Trumpers were rendered invalid, irrelevant after the election results because their expectations. We heard this during the primary. There's no way he can win. You idiots out there who are backing Trump are stupid. Don't you see he's got a ceiling? He can't even win a majority in his own party while he was winning a majority of his own party in the primaries. Oh, these Democrats who are coming out to vote for him in the primary, they're not legitimate. They're just playing the game of spoiler. And who came out and voted for him? So now that he's never Trumpers have to try to 
regain some relevancy. It was all about pushing their ego and trying to assert their intellectual superiority. And now they're trying to do it by undermining him, by declaring him immediately after that 60 Minutes interview with Leslie Stahl that Polly talked about, immediately declaring, oh my gosh, it's Jeb Bush. We, we've elected Jeb Bush. We've got W. Even before Michael Savage came out and said it was Jeb, it, it was Jeb who was elected. I had people coming at me on Twitter. Don't you see? Don't you see that he's a phony? And I'm thinking, what did he say in this interview that that negated everything that he said on the campaign trail? What? Because maybe the wall is now going to look like a little bit of a fence. What's the difference? Maybe one's made of stucco and another one's made of barbed wire or wire. Come on. Or maybe the fact that he that he talked a little bit about, you know, wanting to seal the border first and getting rid of the illegals and then trying to figure out. Didn't we not as a Republican Party applaud that approach? Seal the border first and then we'll try to figure out what to do with the people here. Or was it the fact that he taught he didn't come out and say, yeah, I'm going to put the nail in that Clinton coffin with a special prosecutor Woo-hoo! and like go to town on that. He said, I don't all he said was, I don't want to do any damage. Well, how does that mean he's still not going to have a special prosecutor? He didn't say he wasn't going to have a special prosecutor. He didn't say that. All he said is, I don't want to hurt the Clintons. Well, you know what? He doesn't have to hurt the Clintons with a special prosecutor. And by the way, you can still go forward with a special prosecutor. You can put the pedal to the metal on justice and holding people accountable, knowing it's going to hurt somebody and still say, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. But if that's what ends up happening because justice is served and somebody's held accountable, I'm okay with that. I did not hear him say anything that walked back his promises on the campaign trail. But that does not mean that I expect him to fulfill every promise that he made or exactly as how he made it. Because that's not my expectations. And I'm not sure that anybody should have that expectation. Because we, as particularly as conservatives, who say that we understand that we have to have three co-equal branches, that we were disturbed by a president who legislated through the pen and paper, and that we want three co-equal branches, we have to understand, if you say you wanted that, then why are you automatically declaring him a failure? Why are you not applauding him for what he's obviously doing, which is trying to be a consensus builder? Of course he picked Ryan's Priebus. This was a man who, who helped him win the presidency. So I don't see anything through any statements that he's made about policy or any appointments that he's made that shows, that declares that he's a phony, that he's a rhino, and he's really this far-left Democrat, cons- the, the, the same never-Trumpers who were wrong, declared him to be in the primary. I see somebody who's a consensus builder, who's pragmatic, who is a business person. Business people do this. They look at results. All they focus on is, how can I get my result? How do I get there? Who And who can I partner with together? They don't obsess all day long with whether or not somebody said something they didn't like six months ago or, or what somebody's gender is or, you know, who, who somebody's sleeping with. All you care about in business, and he is a business person, all you care about is the results in the bottom line. You care about providing results for your team, for your customers, for your boss, for your shareholders. And you're willing to do whatever you have to do to get those results. And sometimes those results don't look exactly like you wanted them to, but you still got the results. And my expectation of him is that he's going to make mistakes. My expectation of him is that he's, he's not going to fulfill every promise exactly as he did. But first and foremost, he fulfilled my greatest expectation and thrill by winning and stopping Hillary Clinton in her tracks. If he did nothing else, that's a victory for me. But I go back to one of the reasons why I actually 
supported him in the first place. You know, for years I've been declaring that our borders and the border situation from our southern border, our economic border, our virtual border with our with our visa programs and these refugee programs were the biggest issues that we face. If all he does, does is seal the border, that's a victory. I think we need to have high hopes and high expectations, but also reasonable expectations. And I also think that we need to do what we've been doing, which is keep our keep our our foot, our pedal to the metal with watching over our government, including a President Trump and holding everybody accountable. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, I got to have my man Wayne Allen Root, who was one of the first people to support Trump, one of the first people to, to declare that he was going to win it. I got to pick his brain. I got to give him a little chance to gloat. And then I got to get his perspective on some of this. So don't go anywhere because we got more of the Andrea K Show coming up right after this. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We're doing a little celebrating tonight. We're celebrating, but we're also, you know, laying out some reasonable expectations, you know, as we go forward and we look at a president-elect coming up, but a president-elect administration coming up. Uh, but now we still got to stay in celebrating mode. In fact, I had to have my, my next guest come on with me because I think he deserves an opportunity to do some gloating because he was one of the first people to really get on the Trump train. Huge voice, really put his big name and his big profile out there and even came down hard a couple days before the election and said, I declare that Donald Trump is going to win. I am talking about none other than Wayne Allen Root, talk show host friend of mine, author of Angry White Male. Hey, Wayne, welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Hey, Andrea, and by the way, Angry White Male laid out the entire game plan for Donald Trump. You go after the Midwest, you go after white middle class and working class voters, you expand the tent in a way that nobody but me has ever said before. I said it in uh, my book two years ago, Murder the Middle Class, and I said it again in Angry White Male. We all know the GOP needs to expand the tent to win a presidential election, but everyone assumes you expand the tent by going after black and Hispanic voters, which is fine. And don't ever think I'm saying don't. I always want to go after black and Hispanic voters. But you don't have to. You can expand the tent, Donald Trump, 
by going after millions and millions of white voters who either didn't vote in the last two elections with McCain and Romney or sporadically vote Republican or never voted Republican, they vote Democrat, or never voted at all. And you register them and bring them out. You can win with a white wave, a white tsunami, a white blizzard. And that's what, that's what Donald Trump did. This is the white election, the angry white male and female election. And that's how it happened. And, and uh, funny enough, Andrea, you may not realize this. I was in the New York Times yesterday. I was invited Friday at the last minute. They, they wanted Kellyanne Conway to come and address the uh, International Association of Political Consultants, which is having their convention in Denver to talk about the campaign and the election. And 150 of the world's top Carl Roves and James Carvilles were there who elect presidents and prime ministers, and Kelly couldn't do it. Because uh, obviously she's busy with the new with mm-hmm. the new administration, so I was the backup choice. <gasps> and I went what? to Denver and I spoke to them and told them why Trump won. And you know, I was told in advance they will be so nice to you. These are the most professional people in the world. Do you know I was almost booed off the stage? Well, you know I what? I'm not surprised that you were. I'm not surprised surprised <laughs> you were because what you basically described was the uh, in your open was the white lash that Van Jones talked that. about. They wanted the truth. They said, "Tell us honestly what happened." And so I told them, "You you turn off white voters. White people will never vote Democrat again outside of the two coasts. Obviously, in California, that's not necessarily the case. Obviously, in New York, but you know what? It's not even obvious because I haven't seen the final numbers yet. I don't know. Did you see California breakdown based on race? Because I know in 2012, Romney won by a landslide among white voters in California. So even on the coast, white voters are overwhelmingly Republican. It's just that they're outvoted by foreigners and illegals who you've let in with open borders and open arms. And so we're outnumbered now. But the reality is, if you think, and I said this to him, if you think Republicans have trouble with, with minorities and people of color, which we do, and it's an issue we have to deal with, and if you believe that, you better start looking in the mirror and facing the fact that white people no longer vote Democrat. And you're never going to win another election until you figure out how to overcome that, how to speak to us, how to resonate with us, and how to uh, maybe craft your policies in a way that don't destroy our lives, like Obamacare. Oh, they didn't like that one. Mm -hmm. They went crazy. They were booing. They were hissing. They were trying to shout me down. They tried to literally say it's unfair. He's even up on the paddle. What's he doing there? Oh, my gosh. Liberals are delusional, blind, deaf, and dumb. Yeah. And, you know, it's I had kind of a little minor little compared to that situation this weekend. I went on to I was asked to come on to a local news and I talked about um, the, you know, the the complexion of the situation as well. And we got into it. We got into a discussion about the protest and what's going on with the protest. And, you know, and of course, you know, that these protests are supposed to be about uh, a repudiation of Trump and Trump supporters that were all a bunch of racist. And I pointed out the fact that here um, I have not seen any evidence evidence of any Trump supporters uh, attacking any minorities, but I had seen video of white Trump supporters that have been attacked. There was a man dragged out of his car and beaten by black supporters. They don't want to hear that. And they don't want to hear hear that. There was a woman, a pregnant woman in her car, and her car was attacked with baseball bats. And, um, you know, I I got the producer got upset with me and basically did a version of booing me afterwards with with some scathing text. And it's because they don't want to hear the truth. They don't they don't want white people to vote. Their expectation was is that that white the white people, Democrat voters, were the same people that on on the same plantation that African American Democrat 
voters are on. Well, here's the truth I laid out for them that they need to know. And I just wrote it. You know, I'm the star columnist for the Las Vegas Review Journal, which is the number one newspaper in the state of Nevada. It's owned by Sheldon Adelson, by the way, uh, the biggest UFP contributor in the, in the world. And he decided his first big move was to hire me to be the star columnist. So I've been in there since September. And my column coming up, what's today? Wednesday? My column coming up, uh, today's Tuesday, coming up tomorrow, Wednesday, outlines what I said in front of the, all these big liberals at this international political consultant conference. I said when Obama took office in 2009, Democrats controlled the House by the hugest margin in years. They controlled the Senate by the most since the 1970s and had a filibuster-proof majority. They controlled two-thirds of all the governors. They controlled 60 of 99 state legislatures. They had total dominance. And today, the Republican Party controls the White House, the U.S. House, the U.S. Senate. The majority in the House is the largest since 1928. We're about to uh, replace probably four Supreme Court justices, so we're going to control the Supreme Court for the next 40 years. We control 33 governors, 31 lieutenant governors, 31 secretaries of state. The Democrats have lost over 900 state mm-hmm. legislative seats since Obama took office. The GOP controls 60 of 99 state legislators and of, uh, of the states where the GOP has both the governor and both houses of the legislature. 25 mm-hmm. states, Democrats have that situation in four. And so when you look at that, how did they go from 2009 Obama's election, total dominance, and the country was theirs, to today, we have total dominance, and the country is completely red, and they have no power, and they'll be out of power for years to come. How did that happen? And there's one answer. Obamacare. This all began in 2010 when we swept everything because they slammed through Obamacare without one Republican vote, knowing it would destroy the middle class, knowing everything Obama said was a lie. And people now, instead of having $500 health care bills, now have $1,500 and $2,000 health bills, and middle class people are going bankrupt, and there are no middle class jobs. They've ruined the economy. They've added trillions in debt because of Obamacare. It's a shambles. They've ruined the lives of middle class white people. And you know what? That's why middle-class white people just threw you out of office. It's that simple. And until you come to terms with what caused your downfall, Obamacare wasn't Trump, because Trump wasn't around for 90% of what I just read you, all these changes, this red wave across the whole country all occurred for, you know, six of Obama's eight years, long before Trump ever got here. So Trump just kind of closed the final barn door. But all of this happened since the day you decided Obamacare was the most important thing in the world, and you've ruined all of our lives our incomes, our careers, our health care, you name it, we're screwed. And so it's a natural response. And until you wake up to that, what you've done to people, middle class white people, you're never getting elected again. And oh, my God, were they mad at me. Instead, they should have thanked me and they should have bowed down and said, wow, mm-hmm. this guy just summed up something none of us could see because we're too close to the situation. Well, I also think it was the Obamacare. The, the, those were some of the that was the his key piece of legislation um, that his that he hung his hat on in terms of of economic policy but i actually think it was that in combination you look at his policies of what he was doing that were anti-american anti-middle class and anti-white and then on top of it was the racial hatred and division that he fostered that he began the minute he came into office he was voted in by white america the people that you're talking about i had people i come from the deep south i grew up in the deep south white people in my generation embarrassed by what our what our ancestors had done and many people that i know voted for him out of white guilt to try to make up as like a reparation and only to turn around and have him almost immediately go into office and start 
talking about the white, uh, how racist America is and calling out the Boston police officers being stupid. If I had a son, he would look like Trayvon. You know, he sent a delegation to Michael Brown's funeral and didn't send one to Margaret Thatcher. You know, on and on and on. The white privilege, the white privilege that people were being, uh, uh, professors being forced to apologize for being white. You know, you can, you know, this was a pushback, a repudiation, not just of his policies, but also in his division. They played the, they played the identity game well, dividing us up into groups, and those groups pushed back and said, enough, enough of it. And they're, they're trying to double down on it with these protests. Trump tried to double down on it today in Greece. But you know what? That The identity politics game didn't work, and that's why we heard for months, Wayne, also about women. We heard, oh, how's Trump going to bridge this woman gap? They just thought they were going to win with Hillary as the first female president on top of trying to get Trump for all this woman stuff. There was hardly any gap. He got he got more women than Romney. I think no, that- there was, listen, there was a gap. Listen, I wrote Angry White Male, and it turned out to be the Angry White Male and Female Revolution. I will admit that uh, women did a great job. My last Trump rally, you know, I opened six Trump rallies in, in Las Vegas uh, for Donald, and the last one, I would say the audience was 60, 65% white women. So it was an amazing revelation that women were getting as excited and as passionate uh, about Donald as men were. But you look at the final results. Thank goodness. I mean, he wouldn't have won the, the election without some female support. He had 53% or 54%, I can't remember which one, of, of white women. He lost the majority of women, by the way, but he won 53 or 54% of white women in America. But now you compare that to the context of what my book said would happen, that the base of Trump, what would put him over the top, would be angry white males. Do you know he won by 52 points? He won by three with women, 53. He won by 52-point landslide among white men. 52 points. Yeah. I mean, there's almost not a white man in America who votes for the Democratic Party anymore. So they have to, you know, they have just as much to worry about, much more now that I read you that list of what they, you know, what we control as Republicans, everything. They have more to worry about that they can't attract a single white voter uh, on the, at least male side than we do that we don't attract enough blacks and Hispanics. Listen, Donald can change all that, in my opinion. In the next four years, Donald can create an economy that is such a juggernaut like Ronald Reagan that it's the greatest turnaround in history since Reagan and the greatest expansion in history since Reagan. And then blacks will do well and Hispanics will do well. And just like Reagan, they'll start to like him a lot more. And we'll get, you know, in in his second term, uh, Donald Trump will win in a landslide. And it'll be a lot of blacks participating, a lot of women participating, a lot of Hispanics participating. I think all of that can happen. I think what you're saying has a lot of truth because there were 207 swing counties in America that Obama won at least once, either 208 or 212. 207 swing counties that he won at least once. Trump won 194 of the 207 swing counties. The definition of swing counties, it's not a black county, it's not a minority county, it's, it's a mixed county, but probably mostly white, and Obama won it, which proves white people are not racist. Well, yeah, and on top of that, Trump won it. right, and it also proves that Trump's not racist because it was the Cuban women in Florida who pushed him over the finish line. Because these are people that understood more than anybody what Hillary Clinton's Marxist policies would do to them and what she was supporting. He also did expand his base. He expanded, he had gays for Trump, he had women's for Trump. He got more Hispanics than 
than W did. And W, uh, George W. Bush was supposed to be the one Republican who was well, able to. He didn't to... get more Spanics than W. You got more than Romney or McCain. Oh, uh, oh okay. That's, that's, that's right. More than McCain. More than McCain. That's true. W got 40 something percent, which is amazing of Hispanics. Uh, I think Romney got like 27 and I think Trump got 30 or 31. So he beat Romney for all Romney's big mouth. We haven't gotten back to the numbers of Bush, but we can and we will. And, and I believe the numbers Donald got were amazing, considering that the media painted him as the most racist, anti-Hispanic, anti-Mexican right. human being the world's ever known. It's amazing. But I've always argued, Andrea that Hispanics aren't one. There are legal Hispanics and there are illegal Hispanics. And those who are here legally and did it the right way, and those who are Hispanic and own a small business, as an example, or work for a small business, I would say they voted overwhelmingly Republican. And those who are here illegally, and they shouldn't be voting in the first place, voted overwhelmingly Democrat. I saw the study yesterday. They three million. Three million illegals voted in this election. Last question for you before we got to go. Um, and first of all, well, I wish I had time to. I, I should have had you on for the whole hour because what, one of the strategies. for Yeah, I'm going to have you back. Because Yeah, because I want to talk about Keith Ellison because one of the things that they're yeah. going to try to do to double down is try to expand their base. Of the mu- <laughs> Are you, you concerned? Yeah. Makes me laugh. Are you concerned? <laughs> right now, there's a whole lot of panic after the 60 Minutes interview that he's already showing signs that he's going to go back on his promises. Nah, Are you nah, concerned about that? Not at all. Michael Savage panicked that, you know, what is it, Reince Priebus? I can never pronounce his name right, but I think I got it. Reince mm-hmm. Priebus. That, you know, he was too moderate and it's Jeb Bush again and he's going back on Obamacare and the wall. No, listen, there's there's a way to campaign and there's a way to institute uh, something that gets passed by, by a Congress. And, and uh, to say that we're going to absolutely build a wall, but certain parts of it will be more of a fence than a wall. But it's all going to get built. Nothing wrong with that. To say I'm going I'm to rip a Obamacare to shreds, but I'm going to keep the two things about it I find that are decent. I've always, Wayne Root, no one has ever questioned my conservative, you know, viables. I'm as conservative as anyone in the world fiscally, and I've always said you still got to keep that kids are on the policy till there's 26 on their parents' policy, and that pre-existing conditions, you can't throw me to the wolves because I'm dying of cancer. You got to keep someone who's got cancer. I've always said that, Andrea. You got to be decent and compassionate, so throw it out, make it market-based, competition among all the states, I can buy my policy in Vermont if it's cheaper, give people total tax deductibility, uh, kill, uh, they kill the lawyers, make it tort reform the biggest part of right. the new one that we'll call Donald Care, right? Not mm-hmm. Obamacare, Donald Care. Uh-huh. And, and then keep the two things that were decent about it, which is let the kids stay on the policy and, and you don't lose your policy when you have cancer. That's not going back in anything you promised. No, in fact, right. right. Right, and I haven't. I didn't hear any Repub- conservatives who voted, gave the majority of the Republicans in 2014 specifically because they wanted him to get rid of Obamacare. That was not a movement to also mandate that they remove those two provisions from Obamacare. All people care about is make my costs go down, make my deductibles, make it so that I can actually afford to have health care. And then if I've got the insurance card, that there's actually a doctor that's willing to see me. You know, so what it is, is it's particularly the never Trump people, Wayne, on top that he's got two opposition parties that he faces. He's got the GOP and he's got the Democrats and they're just going to do everything they can to undermine him. But I got to have you back. I'm going to have you back more often because we got a lot of stuff we're going to have to flush out uh, coming up. Tell everybody how they can read that blog post that you mentioned. Uh, well, you can go to my website anytime, rootsforamerica.com. Everything I write, whether it's in the Vegas paper or website or wherever, always winds up on my specific website uh, within a day or two. So just go to Root for America. All my commentaries are free. All my videos are free. Register, sign up. It's all free. Root, R O 
OOT for America.com. And the book is Angry White Male. It laid out the whole election, the whole Trump victory long before it happened. Perfect Christmas gift for America and Angry White Male. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Wayne Allen. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andrea. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. Now, d- stay tuned because coming up, we, go- we got my girl Della B who's going to be back with us. And she's got an announcement on a mail. So don't change that dial. You're going to want to hear this. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Ooh, ooh. Y'all know that music. That means my girl Della B is here with some dirty laundry. Hey, Della. Hey, baby. How are you? Oh, I'm so excited. Are you? What are you excited yeah, about for well, today, Miss Della? Uh, you know, we've all been waiting for the results all year. Uh-huh. And the votes, the votes are in. Yes. And we have People's Sexiest Man Alive 2016 <laughs> announcement. That's bigger than the presidential election. It is. It is, because they actually picked a man this year. <laughs> and it's Dwayne, <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> really? I have a thing for him. Oh, yes. well, I do, too. I mean, are you serious? Because did I not see him with a, with a T-shirt on last week that said, Guns Don't Kill People, Clintons Do? Ah, he's a Republican baby. I know. I'm thinking these people up in Hollywood, like they're so. I, I don't know how they came to pick him, but I applaud their choice. I, I think they must have polled the American women because they picked they picked him, and he's gorgeous. Yes, he is so sexy, and he's worth 160 million dollars. He's the number one top grossing male celebrity film star this year. Did Are you realize you, that? I had no idea because I yeah. I don't I don't remember the last movie of his that I actually went to see. I, I just appreciate him when I'm in the checkout and there's a photo of him on the on the newsstand because, you know, I've been kind of in boycott Hollywood mode for, for years Yay. because, I mean, there have, there's there been so many of them on my, quote, list of movies that I won't go see, but I, I will go see whatever movie he's got coming out. So cute. He's, well, his next film coming out is actually an animation. It's mm-hmm. Moana, which is a Dis- the Disney um it's it's about South Pacific uh, Islanders, which he is half Samoan, half Canadian, um, and a hundred percent yummy. Oh, totally! But what's really funny about this is that th- this is being touted as the first African American, the first or black man since Denzel Washington in 1996. But 
I, I mean, I think he, 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 he likes to talk about being Samoan. He likes to talk about being yeah. South Pacific. That's his, his show. Right. I That's don't his care culture. what he is. Honey. I don't care he either. Is man. He is rock hard you man. You know what? what? You know what? I think we are on an uptick because real men are back in style. That's right. Okay. Not that they, for a while there, what was popular in Hollywood was there was this group of, of supposed leading men who all had snaggle tooth, looked like they never took a shower, had, yeah. you know, tried. Mm-hmm. Tried to grow a beard and nothing more than like five ha- scraggly hairs would push. It was the Ewan McGregor, Brad Pitt, uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp, and you know, with you the know dirty teeth. yeah. I mean, come yeah, on. So you know, Hollywood may have been looking at the results of this election and going, you know what? We got to turn some box office receipts around. We got it. We got to do something right by the American people. Now, I didn't have a chance to ask you about this before you came on, and I got to switch gears to my man Al here in a second. But um, you know, we got a huge block. Suppose a blockbuster book coming out by a certain anti-man mm-hmm. uh, quote journalist alleged mm-hmm. journalist mm-hmm. and you know now supposedly the book you know settling for more is like uh, obsessing over trump i mean yeah real men are back and you know she's trying to she's trying to she's obsessing over the real man who won the presidential election right and you know if, if if i were him i would do a you know a full page ad at the new york mm-hmm. times congratulating you know megan kelly for settling you know on you know more with trump because mm-hmm. you know he's made her have you noticed have you noticed how she has switched since the election from her Cruella DeVille mm-hmm. off the forehead hair yeah. to the soft, luscious, you know, yeah. windswept, sexy bed hair again? Yes. You know what? I had noticed that, but that's, Have that's you noticed interesting. That? She, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did. Uh-huh. Know, yeah. Now that you yeah. mention it, of, of, yes, she did. In fact, she was actually starting to look a little Luciferian she for a while there. A little, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was wasn't like there was some more. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't working. working. It wasn't working I don't at think all. So. But see, the left is out and the right's back in. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I can't. What, what are we going to do? I'm not gloating. Of course I am. <laughs> I'm going to gloat every day for the next eight years. I'm going to gloat with jazz hands. I am That's how much I'm going to gloat. People are looking at me like, why is she so happy? Well, you know why I'm happy, honey. I'm happy the because men are back in style. Men are back in, back in style. And not flinching is not back, is back in style. That's right. Well, you yep. are always in style, Della. Love you. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. All right. Now, you know what's always in style? Men who know about money. Men who wear suit coats and suit jackets. Not ones who make noises with microphones. But ones, but ones who know know a thing or two about business. I have two loves. I have I, I love equally politics and business. I was a political. Go ahead and move that microphone your way, baby. Get it. Pull that bandaid off. <laughs> I got my man Al. I'm trying to give you a hot lead in, and you over there making noise with a microphone. <laughs> He's my OG. He's my OG of SD. Amazing businessman. There's so much. You weren't here when I when I opened my show tonight talking about expectations. So many people already in panic mode. We got pa- people panicking on the left that he is just somehow he's just you know going to deport everybody that looks at him sideways. I mean, just completely off the rails mentally. And then we've got people in the conservative side, Republicans, never Trumpers, people who did vote for him. They're thinking that they're seeing signs that he's not going to fulfill his promises because there was so much desperation going into this election, particularly. 
for people who are small and mid-sized business owners. Middle-class people, the the white middle-class male that Wayne Allen Root was talking about. But I say that was more than just that. I say it's the small business owner and the mid-sized business owner and the employees of those that were really panicked. And one of the things that he promised on the campaign trail was that he would deal with regulations. He said that he would get rid of 70% of the regulations that are stifling uh, American business. And that's something that you've been on board with, right, Al? Oh, absolutely. I I don't know why a small businessman would uh, be panicked over Trump's presidency because he came out with everything that's friendly to small business. Well, but they're saying that they're starting to see signs that he may not fulfill those promises. Well, give me a and they're break. Get, and they're nervous yeah, about it. What is it? Maybe 10 days? It hasn't even been that. It was a week ago. To, to, well, six days ago now. I mean, this time last week, they hadn't even announced the results. But that's what I'm saying. It's panic. I mean, give the man a chance to go in. We're going to watch him closely and see what he does. But there are so many regulations, thousands. Obama has come up with on top of the already overregulated country at the state level and as well as federal level before Obama took office, he then implemented thousands of new regulations. And, you know, I, I don't even know what all they are. I mean, thousands. I mean, how many different ways can you regulate business? Well, it's ridiculous. You have uh, agencies working against each other with contra rules. So, for example, Obamacare, uh, Department of Justice has everybody has rules and they're not in concert. So you you cannot comply with the rules because whoever you're complying with, you're going to violate somebody, some other agency's rules. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. What? Uh, there's so many regulations that I wanted. I like to give. I like this segment in particular to be specific content that the listeners can use, can wrap their head around. That's really meaningful to them. But there's almost too many regulations to even know what's going to be most meaningful. But you said to me before the show that banking regulations for small business is really meaningful. That has a huge impact on small businesses. Can you talk to that a little bit. Well, I'm thinking back when I started my practice. Uh, more than 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I had was a good name. I didn't have any money. And I went to the bank and I borrowed $250,000, which they let me right away. That was a lot of money 30 years ago. <laughs> it's anyway. what it took. Yeah. No, that way I'm saying that's amazing. You got that on just a good name. Well, yeah, you know? I paid it back in three years. Wow. Awesome. With interest. Good for you. And uh, the thing is that uh, bankers then could exercise judgment. They could think about the person and can this person deliver? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Bank of California. Bank of California bet on me. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm just, I'm not an isolated example. That's how it was. And it's not that way now. You cannot, everything is based on cash flow. If you have millions of dollars of property and it has no debt, Good luck, and you don't have cash flows, which is possible. Especially here in California, because there's a lot of people that are real estate poor because all their assets are tied up in real estate and they don't have cash. Yeah, so those are important examples, but they're exaggerated examples. The point is that getting into a situation in banking where banks can support small business, make loans to small businesses that are deserving, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, makes sense. 
with business plans and um, capacities that mm-hmm. are marketable, um, that is going to make small business boom. And as small business booms, the economy booms. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going in the right direction. Less regulation, lower taxes. My God, the 15% bracket for corporations will have an, it'll get rid of inversion. Everybody trying to leave the country. Mm-hmm. They're going to be coming back immense amount of capital being invested in the United States, not on the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And the 15% rate is very friendly to small business mm-hmm. and small businesses. I, I've been an advocate of having multiple entities you cannot be a small business and not have a C corporation under this regime if it happens and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it signals over. Everybody was an S corp before. You'll mm-hmm. still need an S corp, but you need a, a corporation to pay taxes at 15%, not 33%. Mm-hmm. If you're an S corp, the earnings pass through to your individual tax return and the tax rate the top tax rate will be 33% if it goes down the way it's suggested. In one minute or less, and I know you're not an economist, you're you know one of the most brilliant CPAs uh, here in San Diego, but can you, uh, oh my gosh, if we don't get all these taxes in, if Trump lowers the tax rate, that's going to add $6 trillion more dollars uh, to the debt. What do, you, what do you say to people who say that? Well, you have to do the numbers. Growth is the biggest thing. We've had... Not even 1% growth for eight years. Mm -hmm. That's not even growth. I mean, 1%. (laughs) You can't even claim that as growth. Correcto. Yeah. So if we have 4% growth, which is what is um, suggested Mm -hmm. by Trump and and, uh, everybody else, We'll we'll just grow ourselves right out of the problem. Which is what happened with Ronald Reagan. When of he lowered course. the tax rates, he increased we had the greatest amount of, of um revenue coming into the country and ever and and Bush did the same thing after nine eleven. The after- biggest fallacy mm-hmm. in politics is that trickle down economics doesn't work. That's mm-hmm. just pure BS. Yeah. It works, right? And then people need people like you to go and help them, you know, keep even more money for themselves, right? It's a C-Corp regime, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for being here, Al Arias, my OG. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. Got a couple of other little items to talk about. And um, my Hero of the Week and last week's Fool, this week's Tool Awards. Don't go anywhere. More Andrea K. Show coming right up. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home. Home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. 
Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We are on the home stretch here for The Andrea K Show. I was just chatting with my man, Al Arias, talking about, uh, you know, the whole show tonight is about expectations. And, you know, Al, is, he's got high expectations for what, you know, lower taxation and uh, getting some of these regulations off the backs of small business owners, what that's going to do for us economically and, and upwards growth. So I'm excited about that. Um, I, next week, I've got Dr. Sebastian Gorka. You've seen him. He's been all over Fox News. He's going to be on to talk about foreign policy. I'm excited to see um, my expectations there is that Donald Trump is going to he's got surrounding himself with some really smart people. And so I'm excited to see what he's going to do in terms of prosecuting the war on terror. Um, one of the things that I already know he's going to do, y'all know that I went back to Brigitte Gabriel's Act for America conference in September, 16 different legislators, including Ted Cruz came and spoke with us about three or four of them had, um, bills going before Congress to declare the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization. I like Ted Cruz is the best. And Trump has said, uh, through Walid Ferris, who is his, um, his guy on, uh, radical Islam and the war on terror, that Trump is absolutely in support of this bill to label the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization. The reason why the Obama administration has not wanted to do this is because Huma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, her family is who? The Muslim Brotherhood and the Muslim Sisterhood. These are people with camps all over this country. Their manifesto is to replace the Constitution with the Koran. They are a terrorist organization. Almost Almost every other terrorist group, including ISIS, comes under that umbrella. This is critical. We need to support Trump in this. I'm going to talk more about uh, the war on terror uh, next week with Dr. Gorka. Got to laugh a little bit, though, because, you know, oh, Trump, that racist, he's going to build a wall. Well, you know who else built a wall? Germany. They not only built a wall to keep out the Muslim refugees, but it's higher than the Berlin Wall ever was. They said, you know what? They're, They're concerned about their property values. What a shock. And they're also concerned about the noise and the behavior of the refugees. Remember in WikiLeaks, Hillary Clinton's campaign saying that they understood that uh, of uh, in Berlin, only 9% of the residents were uh, these refugees and they were responsible for 47% of the crime. That ain't funny. That ain't funny. I'm laughing about the wall, but, you know, that's the reality there. So we're going to talk to state. Come, come, tune in next week for Sebastian Gorka. We're going to spend some time in the war on terror. Um I got. I found a funny story, Al. I asked Al to stay over because he might. <laughs> the smoking gun is reported. Uh, as we, you know, I, I'm in a happy mood, so I want to end on like some funny stuff today. Then an ex-convict was arrested for a ramen noodle attack <laughs> on his boyfriend. They got in a fight, Al. <laughs> <laughs> so these two get in a fight and one tosses his bowl of ramen noodle ramen at his boyfriend. One of the noodles stuck to stuck to his neck and he was arrested for this. I mean, like attacked by ramen noodle. Give me a break. I, seriously. 
if I was a nine one one operator and I got that phone call coming to me like, uh, sir, nine one one is not a toy. This is very serious. Please do not do that again. We'll call we'll, the cops will come and arrest you. Well, yeah. Well, where's the push for for noodle control? The ramen noodle control. I mean, really? we need a regulation. Yeah, I mean, this reminds guns don't kill people. Pasta does. <laughs> And that woman at McDonald's recently who called 911 on the phone because McDonald's was supposed to have her cookies hot, ready to order. I mean, we have gone off the rails. All right. Um, do I have time for the last week's full this week's Tool Awards, Polly? Okay. Y'all got to know who my awards are for this week. My hero of the week goes to Donald J. Trump. We started the show tonight by talking about expectations. There was almost nobody who expected this man to win except Trump himself. Because what sets him apart and the reason why we needed him, the reason why he won and the reason why we needed him, which is the reason why he won, was because he's not a politician. He's a businessman. He thinks like a winner. The Republican Party has done nothing but provide excuses for the past few years because it's like that old saying, those who argue for their own limitations get to keep them. They have been governing from a place of what they can't do versus a place of what they can. He defied every odd going against him. He was like those little weebles. He kept they punching him and he kept rolling right back up. And he he did not. He went against every piece of conventional wisdom in the camp. He never released his taxes. No credit for Melania? Oh, yeah. We, You know what? She's my backup hero of the week because <laughs> talk about a renewal of some class in the first... It, 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 what the she first told year. him when he said, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about running, he says... If you run, you will win. She told him that? Yeah. I did not. See, she is brilliant, and she's an immigrant, and she is. She speaks like six languages, this woman does, on top of being beautiful. And I love, by the way, I love those pictures of her back in the day modeling the semi-nude pics. Well, Dad how about gum. just looking at her now? I know. If I, <laughs> Let me tell you all, if I ever looked like that, I would have been posing and doing some pictures like that myself. So hat tip to him. He thinks like a winner. That's why he won. He thought outside of the box. He went against conventional wisdom. Yes, he's got Reince Priebus in there. But does that mean Reince Priebus was a part of his campaign? Did he still run his campaign according to establishment conventional wisdom? No, there's no need for panic. Let's give him an opportunity to get in and govern. Uh, my last week's fool, this week's tool award. It's got to go to Hillary Clinton. I would say that it would be a collective because she had an entire army trying to push her over the finish line. She, it was a collective. You remember that video of her having to be helped into the van after I think it was July 4th or, or Labor Day weekend when she was... 9-11. Was it 9-11 in which she was collapsed? I mean, that's kind of what it was like for her. She had the media. She had the pollsters. She had Hollywood. She had all the celebrities. She, for Hollywood, for how many decades now? Every commercial. She had Miley Cyrus. She, uh, right? I mean, come on. How does she not win? She had absolutely, she had the Department of Justice, the White House. She had the world, everybody backing her, and she still couldn't get over the finish line because she couldn't get out of her own way. She is so steeped in corruption and in crime that she just thought, and such a sense of entitlement, that she thought she had the right to just use every one of those institutions, take her criminal and her corrupt enterprise out into every bit of those areas, and that she had the right then to walk into the presidency. And she realized what a tool and what a fool she is. So, you know, and we have the right collectively to laugh at her for thinking she was going to get away with it. Hey, thanks for being with me. Thank you, Al Arias. Thank you, Wayne Allen Root. Thank you, Polly and Della B for joining me tonight. I'm going to be right back here next Tuesday at 6 p.m. on AM 1170 The Answer. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook, though, and on Instagram. Love you all. Right.